This is the Jocko Underground Podcast. Sitting here with Echo Charles. Going back to the biases, uh, taking a look at the biases. Let's let's face it. If you're not paying attention to biases mm-hmm. that are in your head, you're going to make some bad decisions. They're going to be things that you don't recognize. That's what's scary about them. Mm-hmm. It's just like anything else. If you don't know it's happening and it's happening, that's the scariest thing. That's like uh, in fighting. You know, they say the punch that you don't see is the one that's going to catch you. Yeah. Right. If you see it coming, you're going to be all right. Right. Biases. If you don't see them, yeah. they're going to catch you, yeah. and you're going to do dumb stuff. One of them that hit me the other day was the loss aversion bias. And I, uh, there's a website called thedecisionlab.com. I think it, I was reading through a bunch of different websites, but this one kind of had a cool definition here. This is something you gotta pay attention to. If you're not paying attention to this, you're making so many bad decisions. Loss aversion is a cognitive bias that describes why for individuals the pain of losing is psychologically twice as powerful as the pleasure of gaining. So if you think about right there the way, how, how much that inhibits your thought process, it goes on to say the loss, from, the loss felt from money or any other valuable object can feel worse than gaining that same thing. Loss aversion refers to an individual's tendency to prefer avoiding losses to acquiring equivalent gains. Simply put, it's better not to lose $20 than it is to find $20. And they had like a little cartoon. You find $10 on the ground, you're like, oh, cool. You're, you're excited, but you're limited excitement. Yeah. But if you're looking for $10 and you lost it, you're bummed. Yeah. So a couple other points about this. Loss aversion is it gets stronger the bigger the stakes are. Obvious. I guess that's an obvious correlation. Mm-hmm. The more you stand to lose, the more your loss aversion is. And you start to weigh that against the gains, and you think, eh, this is why, this was a cool, uh, an interesting thing I didn't think of. This is why free trial periods work. Mm. That's why they work. Yeah. Because, right, you get the, hey, join you know, this website, join this streaming service mm. for free, for a three-month trial period. And you're kind of, you know, so you get it. Mm-hmm. Look, one part of it is you might just forget about it, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden you're getting like billed or something. You don't really remember it. Yeah. But also, you don't want to have to give it up. Yeah. You feel like you got to give it up. You feel like you're losing it and you'd rather just hang on to it. Yeah. And that's, that's a problem. So the scary thing from a decision is it causes us problems because we don't want to take risks because we don't want to lose anything. And a, a lot of decisions that we have to make, there is the risk of losing. And so what do we do? We don't execute. Um, we don't like to lose. I've seen this ruin people, right? Or no, that's a strong statement. I can't say that. That's a little strong. I've seen people fall victim to this and it has a big negative impact on their life. Uh, and, and you know, from a tactical perspective, you know, you hear me talk about default aggressive, mm-hmm. and you hear me talk about the fact that default aggressive. The reason we, the reason you have to be default aggressive, is because when something's going wrong on the battlefield, and you're going to go do something about it, there's risks that you make a bad decision and you look like an idiot, or something bad happens. Like you, you know, you make a call, you make a decision. There's a risk that someone, you know, you say go assault that building. There's a risk someone gets killed assaulting that building. Mm-hmm. 
So what we have a tendency to do is we don't want to take that risk, so we're not going to do anything. Mm. And when you're not doing anything, now the enemy's maneuvering on you, they're flanking you, and you're getting, you're getting worse in a worse situation. So that's the, that's the tactical example, but it makes it real obvious that if you have an opportunity in business and you're like, well, it's going to cost me the, you know, this much money to, you know, and there's a chance I lose that money and you're like, ah, you know what, I'm just not going to do it. Mm. I'm not saying be stupid. I think people get worried about how, you know, it's the ego. It's the ego loss that, that people avoid as well. Like, oh, I don't want to get, you know, I don't want to lose here. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to look stupid. So they're like, oh, I'm just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's a problem. Um, a couple things about how to avoid it. And this is going back to that decision lab had a couple examples in there. Uh, was frame the decision in a way that highlights the upside. Mm. So you're like, man, I could lose 1500 bucks. Yeah, but listen, Echo, you could lose 1500 bucks, but if this thing's successful, you could quadruple that money, you could have a long-term stake in this bit, whatever. Yeah. You start looking at it from that direction. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know what's funny is when someone's trying to like, hype you up or sell you something. They're always focused so hardcore on that. I look out for those bastards as well, right? Because mm-hmm. like, no, no, that's right, man. You hear those, have you been pitched like things before, like yeah. businesses and stuff? Sure. Yeah. And they're like, look, this is gonna be, this is a 10X opportunity, unicorn, yeah. the whole nine yards. Sure. And you're like, bro, no, not a unicorn. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. Here was another one that I thought was, this is something that I think I do. This is, so the first, the first way to avoid it is to f- like frame and focus on the upsides. Mm-hmm. The other one is to look at the worst case of what could actually happen. Mm-hmm. This is something I do. You know, hey look, worst case, I'm gonna lose 1500 bucks. Is that that big of a deal? Mm-hmm. No, at this juncture in my life, losing 1500 bucks, I'm gonna be able to weather the storm financially. Yeah. You know, it's not gonna impact me in a big way. I, 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 you know, you look at a situation, you go, hey, what's the worst thing that could happen? What's the worst? You know, I, when I try to chill people out that are going to speak, mm. you know, they're going to speak in, in public and maybe they're nervous about it. What's the worst thing that could happen? The worst thing that happens is, you know what? I, hey, I shouldn't have said what I just said. I meant to say it like this. No big deal. Mm. No one cares. No one notices. You know, just, just it's not going to be that bad. What's the worst th- possible thing that could happen? And you look at a, a an opportunity, and you say, well, what is actually the worst thing that could happen? It's probably, once you analyze it, you think, well, that's actually not that big of a deal. Okay, mm-hmm. I can push forward. Um, and then, like I said, my, my thing is to make things, you know, to, to, to go into that default aggressive mode where I'm gonna make things happen. And listen, it's seven out of 10. This doesn't mean you always run to the sound of the guns with you know charging into the combat without checking out what's going on. It's not that. It doesn't mean you throw money at every investment that comes along. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that you attack every problem without analyzing it. But your default mode should be to, to, to take action. Mm-hmm. And once, it doesn't mean you have to take massive action, but take some action maybe a little iterative decision, a little iterative movement, and it's gonna help you. So check that out. That's a good way to counter this natural bias that we all have, which is loss aversion. So when you're looking at a situation, when you've gotta make a decision, tell yourself, hey, I, like every other human being, likely has some loss aversion that I'm trying to watch out for, and I need to counter that. 
Know your biases so that you can overcome them. Yeah, you. That's interesting. You brought up the the, the sales tactic of the free trial. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times, sometimes that doesn't work, right? Because mm-hmm. in you mentioned like, oh yeah, if it's if you forget about the thing, or if that thing isn't that big of a deal, but if it like if it recalibrates your standard of life in whatever way, and then now you have to basically lose a little bit of that standard, then it feels like it works a lot. Um, but it can. That's kind of how the salespeople kind of get you. Yeah. Where they'll be like, they'll, they work on, or they try to anyway, in my experience, that they try to recalibrate your standard 100%. of life. So they feed like, a lot of times like they'll feed you uh, like ideas of a dream, a new life, right? Like yep. a different life, an improved life. And they keep that in your mind, right? Like a, um, I remember I used to work with this guy who, who used to sell cars. And, oh yeah. They get him in that upgraded model. Yeah, yes. So they, there's all these little tactics that they kind of they teach them how to do or whatever. Mm-hmm. But one of the small little things that I was like, oh, I see that. A lot of it was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I th- I wasn't surprised. But one of them was um, he'd have this kind of spiel, and he's and it's like, and it was something along the lines of, well, let me you know, let me go ahead and run these numbers and see if we can't get you driving home in your brand new car today. So he'll say, get you driving home in your brand new car today, right? Mm-hmm. So it puts this image of your head of driving home in your brand new car, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like, that's, it's like living life, right? Kind of a thing with mm-hmm. your new standard of life, kind of a thing. And I remember thinking, oh man, that was kind of powerful the way he said that right there, because the idea of driving home in your new car is always exciting, right? Or having a, yeah. so, and I remember thinking that, <clears throat> and let's say it doesn't work out. That that little model that you recalibrated in your head gets, you, you suffer Loss this right here. 100%. So you're that's like, the, oh my gosh. That's the plan. So now they can sort of jack up the price here and there because you're trying to like, they got you on the hook with this exact yep. thing. So yep. yeah, they end it, up it, getting it's you. It's like with uh, whatever, like the show models of like uh, condos, right? Well, we, yeah, we can definitely, uh, oh, you want to buy a one bedroom condo? Yeah, that's great. Hey, you know what? We don't have a floor model ready right now to show you. Let me show you the two bedroom. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you're walking in there, you're yeah. all fired up, and yeah. like, dang, this could be like an office, and I got all this extra room, and, oh, yeah. and then, and then, they might even show you the three bedroom. Then they take you in the one bedroom, yeah. and it seems tiny, and you, in your mind, you already had that three, that two bedroom <laughs> at a minimum. Yeah. So you're ready to step up. There's another thing called anchoring too, which is, I guess, it kind of is like feeds into this a little bit too. Mm-hmm. It's like anchoring is like when they when they show you the really good one first. Yeah. <laughs> and then so that's like the standard. That's the positive anchoring. Yeah. Because yeah. there's negative anchoring too, which is when when I'm offering you, you know, you want to sell me your car for ten grand and I yeah. and you, you say, well how much you want to pay for it? And I go, I don't know, I'll give you like thirty five hundred and I anchor you. Right. So now when we come up to fifty five hundred, you're kind of happy yeah, about it. Exactly right. right. Yeah, it's one of those deals. We got uh, Chris Voss coming on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Actually, we're recording tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Chris Voss, an FBI negotiator. So I've, been, I've just been reading about all that. Yeah. So yeah, I've been following And he talks a, a little time. bit about this as well, the yeah. loss aversion. It's legit. Uh, watch out for it, everybody. Watch out. Know your biases. Detach from your emotions. Don't get caught up. Mm-hmm. It's not a good way to operate. All right, let's get to some Q&A. All right, first question, Jocko Echo. What does your weightlifting and martial arts training schedule look like? Do you both train on the same day? And if so, how many hours between do you give yourself to rest? Or do you separate weightlifting days and BJJ days? Is your weightlifting based on strength training as opposed to high-volume bodybuilding or vice versa? Or do you incorporate (laughs) both into your schedule? Thank you. 
Right on. Uh, well, first of all, I'll just say out of the gate, um, the book Discipline Freedom Field Manual out, it lines out a lot of this stuff. And the reason I wrote that book is because people were asking me fitness questions all the time and I eventually just wrote that book so I didn't have to answer these questions. But I don't mind answering it. But anyways, the kind of my stuff is in there, um, what my schedule looks like. And I thought, for some reason, I thought he asked about history. And um, yeah. So what is my schedule? I work out every day. I usually wake up in the morning. I lift weights. And lifting weights or working out, look, this includes pull-ups. This includes dips. This includes deadlifts, power cleans, cleans, jerks, uh, presses. You know, like it includes... Squats, obviously, front squats, overhead squats. It includes box jumps. It includes kind of everything, right? Everything from calisthenics to weightlifting is what my workouts consist of. Again, they're all in the book, Discipline Freedom Field Manual. I, I basically work out every day. Now, listen, I can get myself to a DOMS scenario where I might take a day of where I might take a day of active rest, right? Where I'll go in like, hey, I'm just sore as hell. And I might go in there and just hit the rower for a little while, roll a couple thousand meters on the rower, stretch out, that kind of thing. But I'm pretty much lifting. I'm pretty much working out. What's the right word for that? You're working out, right? Working out, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty much doing that every single day. I get done with that, I go for a run. I run two miles, three miles, four miles, five miles, something along those lines. Get done with that. I hit an ice bath. I get done with that, and th- that's my morning, uh, you know, workout. Then I do jujitsu in the afternoon or early evening, and this is what I do. I think some people for the BJJ, BJJ should not, BJJ should not be a, you know, you know, uh, pa- Pavel, Pavel. You know what I'm talking about kettlebell dude oh yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. so his big thing was like hey you should work out but you shouldn't be sore yeah and it was hey you know in the 90s we were hearing a lot about this because it was like oh the SWAT guys were saying this is before we were at war you can't be so sore that you got doms and now you got to go do a hit on a target now you're all sore that doesn't work so you gotta and so there's 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 a theory of working out which is like hey you shouldn't be totally destroyed and you can still get really strong you know and I think uh, those methodologies are true and they work for sure. And I'll say sometimes I get sore and sometimes I'm not as sore. Sometimes I'm not really sore. Just depends on what kind of workout I did. And I do all those different kinds of workouts. Yeah. Jiu-jitsu, you shouldn't be like muscularly sore to the point where you don't feel like doing jiu-jitsu the next day. But you will feel like that when you start jiu-jitsu. When you're a white belt, you're gonna feel like that. Yeah, Even blue belt sometimes as you get better, but you know, you and me will train for 45 minutes, an hour, and go home. Look, are you, are you tired? Sure, you're tired, but you're not like the next day thinking, oh man, I'm, okay. I'm too sore. You won't, you'll, be, you'll be sore. Let's say if, if a 10 is too sore to work out and uh, one is like fresh, you might be, after a hard jujitsu training, you might feel like a four to a six, right? I'm a little sore, I'm a little bit, you know, a little yeah. tired, but you're still having no problem working out. Yeah. Now, when you start jujitsu, you might feel like a nine or a 10 the next day because you went freaking nuts. Yeah. You're yeah. not relaxing at all. True. So that's what I do. Um, 
and that's my that's my gig. Did I answer all the questions? So do I train both on the same day? Yes, I do. How many hours? For, it's you know get done working out at seven in the morning or get done working out running at like around seven in the morning doing jujitsu at four or five o'clock at night. So that's a pretty good rest in between. Do I separate them? No, I don't. And my weightlifting is based on both strength training. I, I, I wouldn't say I do bodybuilding because what's bo- what's official bodybuilding reps twelve. Yeah, if you do like five sets of twelve or something. Like yeah, that. see, I don't, I don't really work those numbers very often, except for doing dips, doing pull ups. But I'll do a few hundred pull ups during a workout. I'll do a couple hundred or a few hundred dips during yeah. a workout. Yeah, so you're so technically the bodybuilding is the the reason you're exercising is to build the size of your muscle. So that's there's all the, kinds of. You're saying that's what bodybuilding is. Yes. Yeah. So your your pull up protocol or whatever is not for that like the size of your lats does not factor in the into the goals that you're trying to achieve right, with right, your pull-up right. routine so it's not bodybuilding it's more like performance yeah, right like yeah. capability and stuff yeah. yeah so bodybuilding is like if you do five sets of 12 shoulder press and then do some lat raises later <laughs> which i do by the way but um <laughs> so for the purpose of of course strength is always to me strength is always part of the gig but um that we'll say secondarily or even primarily is to keep or build the size of your muscles, whether it be shoulders or whatever. There you go. And so that's kind of what you do? That's uh, yeah, part of it for sure. What and percentage of your workout is to build bodybuilding is bodybuilding? What percentage of your workout? It would be considered bodybuilding probably like, I don't know, a little, little bit more than half, I would say. But that's it's more of a maintenance right mm-hmm. now. Right? It has been for like decades. Mm-hmm. More of a I don't want to get bigger. What's the other fifty percent? Strength and conditioning. Strength and conditioning. Yeah. yeah. Actually, the whole thing is strength to me. Ex- aside from the conditioning right. part of it, right. like even the bodybuilding movements, like shoulder press and. But if you're truly stuff. doing it for strength, you wouldn't be doing twelve reps, correct? Uh, you would be. You yes. Oh yeah, you can. Okay. Yes. So depend. So there's actual technical words in the workout. Mm community whatever there's strength there's power there's endurance there's cardio mm-hmm. endurance and it and the, these terms are there there are differences between the terms so i forget which one i think power is like the one to three reps strength yeah. is like three to seven or something three to five i think it goes up to like eight i think or something okay. like that if i'm i could be wrong i could be wrong. and what's the next one um muscular endurance but I think that's like more like 40, 50 reps kind of a scenario yeah. or maybe even 100 or something. I don't know. Yeah, I forget the actual numbers, but they are broken down mm. in that kind of situation. But again, if you just think from the beginning of why, what's the intent of this? Like what, regardless of your terms, you know, you want your, are you doing it because you want bigger lats or are you doing it so you can d- pull yourself up? more times even or when you're tired or right. in this scenario you know kind of yep. a thing you got to just determine what what that goal is but yeah right on. yeah that's cool you have a, you, you're in great shape though in this way where you can do all this i wouldn't recommend nobody really doing this unless you're ready for it physically mm. to do a workout especially like your workouts they're not these are not get the blood flowing workouts i'm assuming in the mornings um do they get the blood flowing? Yeah, yeah, sure. they do, but that's not <laughs> that's not the, the purpose of Sometimes it, they saying. kick your ass. I would say yeah. 60% of the time, maybe 70% of the time, they kick your ass. Yeah. Like today sense. I did, yeah, like I did a few hundred dips. Uh, I did I did ring dips. Oh, no, today I did weighted 
40 pounds, weighted. Ring dips, dips. Ring push-ups, deep push-ups. Yeah. And burpees. So it's not crazy, but I mean, my chest was, de- I mean, my chest and tries were kind of smoked at the end of that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess there's that too, because in, you know how they say, yeah, when you work out in the morning, like you feel energized and mm-hmm. stuff afterwards. Most of the time after my workout, no matter when it is, I'm like, <laughs> especially when you have a, when you eat right after, bro, I'm like not energized. I'm freaking dead, to be yeah. honest with you. And anytime I do two days, like lift and then go jujitsu later, mm-hmm. like I'll feel like, oh, bro, I should, I should take a nap here. I honestly love that feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like a smooth feeling. Yeah. I just feel so good. Yeah. Yeah, I feel really good. Yeah, if you can, do, like, you may, you do a good job in recovering. That's yeah. why. Like, you're not really ever, like, like beat down, or it doesn't seem like it anyway. How can I be better at recovering than you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you, you are. You up uh, until 11.20 today, bro. Who said you are better at recovering than me? Maybe that's the whole strategy. Mm. See what I'm saying? Maybe I'm an expert recoverer. I don't know. I think you are. Maybe. Uh, that's what I do. Anyways, yep. sounds like we know what you do. Yeah. Yeah, you hear about guys like if they're training high level for a tournament, mm-hmm. you know, di- diet, nutrition, yep. everything is like, you know, very intentional and on purpose. Then, yeah, Bro, the eating clean is up. huge. It is. Huge. You just mentioned yes, that. Like eating clean feels so much better when you eat clean. You oh, feel yeah. so much better when you eat some good food. You eat. If you, and not only that, I don't know if this is worth saying, but I'm going to say it. Not only do you feel really good when you eat clean, when you eat like crap, you feel like crap. Yeah. And you and but but let me rephrase that. When you eat like crap, you won't notice it without thinking about it that you feel like crap. When you think about like like what I if you consciously detach and go, you know, I just ate a pizza, mm-hmm. how do I feel the next day? Yeah. I can just about guarantee you don't feel great. Yeah. It's well, not yeah. it's not good. And factor that in over the medium to long term too, where you want to sustain a work wor- like a Jocko workout mm-hmm. program, mm-hmm. where you lift like at least pretty hard in the morning, and then go do jujitsu. Like even if you do like five rounds, mm-hmm. let's say five rounds or more, mm-hmm. and you're eating clean. Or let's say two months, you you try to sustain three months, you try to sustain that, bro. You're probably not gonna be able to sustain it if you're not eating. Clean. You gotta eat good. Like yeah. you have to, kind of a thing, you know. So yeah. it's an all around thing. But uh, it's but I think it's normal though to to separate them. That's what I think. It's pretty rare that you get someone on a for real lifting program and then a for real jujitsu program if they're not a competitor or something. I like don't that. know, man. I don't think I don't agree with you. And and I think that because I always lift, I always I hate calling it lifting because I always work because I'm not always lifting. Sometimes right. I'm just doing pulls. But because I always work out, I believe that's very beneficial for injury prevention as well. And you know, so there you go. Hello, Mr. Willink. I'm 16 year old boy. I've been fat all my life. Do sports like MMA and football and workout. Oh, this is what he does. I have been fat all my life. I do sports like MMA and football and workout, but my weight will not go down. Sticking to a diet and eating less is very hard to do, almost like an addiction. I know that you say almost, bro. (laughs) There's no almost there. I know that you say discipline is your best friend, but it's hard to change something if that you have been doing your whole life. Any advice? Um, I mean, just to start off, just just 
as almost like uh, what's it called? What's it called? Almost like a caveat. There's a chance if you're working out, you're doing football, you're doing MMA, you're training, and you're and you're overweight, you're fat. You you could have some kind of a medical issue. I'm just gonna throw that out there because it's worth checking. You might have some hormone thing, you might have some thyroid thing, you might have some digestion. Like there could be something like that. So I'm gonna throw that out there just in case that you go and check with a doctor and, and make sure that you're all good from a medical perspective because it might be a medical issue. It, it As you also pointed out, it might be a discipline issue, right? It might be a discipline issue for you. Eating less might seem like this big thing, right? Might seem really super hard. Is it really super hard? That's a good question for yourself. Uh, Listen to some of the podcasts where we've had people that were prisoners of war and they couldn't eat and they survived. Uh, Getting it, you need to get into a calorie deficit, right? Well, there's a bunch of like... There's a bunch of ways to go here, calorie deficit, which is everybody's gonna tell you you need to get in some kind of calorie deficit if you wanna lose weight. Uh, there's the high protein, the the high protein, high fat, low carb, zero carb type di- diets to get into. And you know, some people shy away from that word diet because that has some negative connotations where it's like, oh, just how about you just change the way you eat? You know Dudley, my friend John Dudley? Sure. Dudley lost... 53 pounds, 53 pounds. You know, he was walking around at like 250. Now he's a beast of a guy, you know, he's six foot five and a great athlete. And the funny thing is he's like, man, no one told me I was fat. He didn't look fat at all, bro. I mean, he's six foot five, he's an athletic dude. He looked like he was athletic, but he looked like he was kind of a a bigger dude. Mm. Now he's down to 200 pounds. So that means he weighed 253. He's lost 50 pounds. How'd he do it? Well, he went to, he went hardcore keto. And drinking milk, eating just meat, and not eating sugar, not eating carbs. So, so that's a good approach. Uh, weighing your food and tracking your macros, right? That's another approach you can take. Hey, I'm gonna have this much carbs, this much fat, this much protein every day, I'm gonna weigh it. There's a guy at the gym and he lost a ton of weight. And I was like, bro, I was like, bro, man, you're leaning out. What's up? He goes, I stopped eating like an asshole, yeah. which I thought was a great, what does that mean? You stop eating garbage, you stop eating sugar, you stop eating a bunch of crap. And that's gonna help you out. Get the, get the junk food out of your house. Tell your mom, do not buy this crap because it's making me unhealthy. I don't want soda in the house, I don't want juice in the house. Clean it up, right? Um, I had that conversation with Jonathan from First In Nutrition, mm-hmm. and I think I talked. I th- I've already told you about it, but it was like if if I ask you for a bite of your whatever cake, mm-hmm. and it's your last bite, you're gonna be kind of mad, right? Yeah. But if I asked you, you got a big big piece of cake, and I go, oh, can I get a bite? You don't feel bad about it because mm-hmm. your expectations are set that oh, I'm. I, I got plenty left. Hmm. So that's the same thing with food. If you're like, hey, I'm this is all I'm going to eat. I'm not gonna just keep getting after that pizza. Hmm. 
because they have what's the they have a saying you can eat anything you just can't eat everything yeah which is also a good saying like yeah. if you really want pizza you can have a piece of pizza you just can't have four yeah. bro you remember how much pizza you ate when you were younger yes i mean putting down a whole pizza was nothing yeah when i was like 20 Oh yeah, yes, that was just no factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like putting down a whole pizza was just—that's what we're doing. <laughs> like yeah, if I'm ordering pizza, I'm ordering a pizza yeah, for me. Yeah, 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 yes, sir. We went through. We were going. Me and my roommate were going through a block of dive training, mm. like five weeks of diving, two dives a day. We'd get pizza every night, and I would eat a freaking whole extra cheese pizza every day, yeah. every day. But you can't do that if you're if you're fat and you want to lose weight. You can't be doing that. Yeah. You could you have a piece? Yeah, sure. So you got to clean it up. You got to set the expectations. And listen, man, here here's the deal. What's your choice? It, you're, the choice is you can be fat and, and unhealthy, which is which is which is not good, right? It's gonna hurt, and it's only gonna get worse as you get. You're 16. Dude, if you don't get a hold of this stuff now, it's going to get worse. Or you get hold of it now and it's no factor for the rest of your life. You can be healthy. You can be lean. You can be athletic. You can be confident in everything that you do. So your choice is impose discipline right now. Quit like thinking that I, that I'm going to get on here and say, what's, what's the question here? Like, uh. It seems hard. Yeah, bro. It's hard. Pizza tastes good. Pizza's delicious, actually. Yep. It's delicious. I mean, pizza's literally incredible to eat. <laughs> right? <laughs> I haven't had a pizza in a long time right now. Apparently. Yeah. But it's incredible to eat, yep. right? Yes, tastes sir. incredible. Oh, yeah. And try you know, I don't know, but it depends, I guess. But try ask someone what's their favorite food. Like, it's just a random person. Mm. A lot of times it's going to be pizza. Pizza's gonna be up there. Yeah, if like what is it? What's that show with all the the survey says that? Oh yeah, yeah. That's gonna be on ding, the chart ding, 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 for sure. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so pizza's really good. Chocolate chip cookies really taste delicious. Mm-hmm. And like those are the things. Like for some reason at, at Victory MMA and Fitness where we are right now, mm-hmm. for some reason they've been putting like just cookies up yeah. on the counter. Yeah. I think it's a test for people. <laughs> right. It's possible. But but yeah. you throw if you if you if there's a open sort of temptation of just a chocolate chip cookie. And it's so easy just to walk by that thing and boom, let's do this, right? Because yeah. no factor, oh, I'm gonna go work out anyways, get a little sugar for my workout. That's all a lie. Yeah. So this is not easy stuff that we're talking about. It's not easy, life isn't easy. Things that are valuable in life don't come easy. So hey, here's another thing, write down what the hell you're trying to do. Write it down. Look at it in the morning when you wake up. Say, I'm gonna be strong, I'm not gonna eat crap today. Write that down the night before, look at it in the morning. Look at it before you before you eat. Pull that notebook out of your pocket, look at what it says. Why you want, I wanna be healthy, I wanna be strong, I wanna be lean. And it's not gonna be easy. There's a bunch of options here. Like I said, high protein, low fat, calorie counting, like all these things. But you're gonna have to clean it up. You're not going to be able to, what is the saying about work? You can't outwork a crappy diet, yeah. right? You can't outwork it mm-hmm. unless you're Michael Phelps, right? And you're swimming 6,000 hours a day. <laughs> yeah. I forget how many, yeah, how many the, yards, he, meters he swims a day, but it's a yeah. lot. And let's face it, Michael Phelps does not have a crappy diet. 
No, but back in the day, when you look at his diet, back in the day when he was swimming, he he was eating everything he possibly could. Yeah, and also that becomes less and less the case when you're a younger person. True, like true. Let's, let's face it, you're eating pizza every yeah, night. So yeah, every night, yeah, like a boss. Like a boss. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go, bro. It's not easy. It's going to be hard. It will get easier. That's one thing I can tell you. It will get easier. Yeah. You, the more discipline you have in your life, the more discipline you have in your life. You can quote me on that one. The more discipline you have in your life, the more the less discipline you have in your life, the less discipline you have in your life. When you start going off the rails, if you just let it go, you'll go way off the rails. If you keep it on tight, it's going to be easier for you over time. Yeah. And you get pissed at yourself. Be like, why, why the hell do I want that pizza so bad? Which I know is going to make me unhealthy. It's going to make me fat. It's going to hurt my athletic capability. Why am I doing this? It's going to hurt my health. Dude, you're 16. You should be a machine for the rest of your life starting now. So yeah, there that's you go. A, there's a it's because the, the three things of, of right being strong and healthy whatever is is essentially physical like what do you do so we'll call it exercise the other one is diet the other one is rest, rest. if you can so rest is easy obviously you feel mm. tired you, like you you don't have to get trained in rest right. some people do you yeah. might but <laughs> some people most people they don't have to get trained and educated on rest mm-hmm. as much as you go to the exercise part. This is okay. So if you're not used to exercising and throughout your whole life, and then all all of a sudden you you start exercising kind of hard, that's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like an assault on a lot of a lot of your sensibilities, a lot of a lot of your whole day, right? Your whole thing. Um, diet is kind of the same thing. Where if you're used to just eating what you feel like eating or what you think is going to taste good or whatever, and then now you want to stop eating like an asshole, that's going to be harder. Kind of be a problem. But here's the thing. On both of those things, he has an exercise thing. He's way yep, ahead of the yep, game. Of if the, he's doing MMA, football, all this stuff, and he works out, yep. bro, he's ahead of the game big yep. time. Now, the diet thing is just as hard as the exercise thing. Just as hard. And this is Except why. for for him, the the exercise thing is kind of easy because he's, he's been doing care it. He already knows it. Yes, exactly So right. it's... The, the the diet thing could be easy, but it's gonna it's gonna work. It's gonna take exactly. work to get to a point so where the, it's easy. The transition is is gonna be hard. Yeah, it, there's a lot of ways you can do it. A big part of it is just you have to understand that you're you're you have to in a way change who you are yeah. in a in a big way. Yeah. Here's the thing. Once you can make that switch, because really that's kind of what it is. If you understand food for what it actually is, don't a lot of times like people will look at food as just something for to taste good and for kind of pleasure and to alleviate, uh, to alleviate hunger, fuel. hunger, Jocko fuel. Yeah. But if you look at it as fuel, fuel that hopefully it tastes good, you know, we want it to taste good for sure, but look at it primarily as like a fuel scenario. Mm. Once you make that switch, it opens up a whole new life, yep. a whole new world that you were blind to. Yep. The, the delayed gratification too. like, let's face it. You eat, a crappy like oh you know what you're driving and you pull into the rest stop to get some gas and you roll in there and there's like some crappy food and you're like oh you know I'm right just this once or whatever mm-hmm. you guaranteed to feel like crap like literally as soon as you get done with that last like bite of the pretzel the third pretzel wrapped hot dog that you bought yeah. as soon as you get done with that you're like I feel like crap and one thing that uh, when you don't do that, you feel good, but it's a prolonged, it's prolonged gratification, right? Yeah. You have to wait for it, and then you feel better. Yeah. So you got to think of that while the thing, while that event is happening. That's why you pull out your notebook. You're like, all right, what does my notebook say again? Mm-hmm. It says, "Be disciplined." 
I'll feel, you'll feel good later. Just tell you that, tell yourself that. You'll feel better, you'll feel better in an hour that you didn't eat this thing. Yeah. You have to tell yourself that. It's like the memento, the the, the show, yeah. uh, the movie, yeah. memento. Yeah. You gotta like tell yourself, right now, I'm gonna feel better in an hour. You don't yeah. know this, you're kind of put, you're trying to bury <laughs> that emotion right now sure. and just be like, you know, I really need this. Mm-hmm. I wrote this in Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. Sometimes, you know, the 80-20 rule, yeah. you know, 80% of the time. The problem is with that is people go from 80% of eating healthy, it's real easy for that to slide on down to 30. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes, sir. Because you're like, oh, no, just 20% of the time I'm going to eat, which means I'm going to eat this freaking, you know, pie right yeah. now. No. Mm-hmm. Watch out. Yeah. So, not easy, but well worth it, man. Yeah. Go get it. Keep training. Next question. Hey, Jocko Echo. How would you handle this situation? A guy came back off a multi-year break and his first role, this is jujitsu, obviously. A multi-year break and his first role, he kimurid a guy, that's a shoulder lock, by the way, kimurid a guy and dislocated his opponent's shoulder. He was verbally remorseful, but his actions didn't show it. Don't show it. This guy's also grabbed grabbing guys by the no-gi shorts and jamming his head into people to take them down. He's around 5'6", 190. So stocky guy. Big uh, pot belly, blue belt. <laughs> For whatever that's worth. Uh, so he's going nuts after a year break. 190 pounds, yeah. 190 pounds, short limbs. Uh, so this, if this is a little, how would I handle this situation? I mean, I'd roll with him and see what the deal is, right? Like, let's see what's going on with him. Um. And and just see if he's is he spazzing out and maybe you know like hey man you're going a little crazy I know you haven't been on the mats in a while but you know take it easy and maybe maybe put him in a tough position he said he's cardio tapping which is which is you know you shouldn't be cardio tapping right mm-hmm. uh, which is a funny term I only heard that term like a little while ago and as soon as I heard it, I was like okay that's kind of a funny term right it's a funny yeah, term yeah, cardio yeah. tap okay yeah I, actually I didn't say that. I oh, just noticed it says that he has he's been, been cardio tapped, but he's still quite aggressive. Yeah, I'd roll with him, maybe put some of the pressure on him, you know, see what his deal is. Maybe, you know, just be like, dude, you're getting a little crazy. I would watch him when he rolled with other people. And I don't mean watch him like, I mean like literally like, oh, he's going to roll with this purple belt over here who's a little bit smaller. I'd be like, I'd stop and watch him. Mm. And if he starts getting crazy, I'd be like, hey, dude, stop. Just stop. You're getting crazy. You don't remember jujitsu, and you're trying to get crazy. You need to chill out. You need to roll with me again, and that type of thing. Um, stop him if he's being stupid, because you know he may or may not have wrestled. He may or may not just have a giant ego. He may or may not be embarrassed because he's a blue belt and he feels like he sucks. So hopefully, you can get him back towards relaxing and learning and being a good training partner. But yeah, that's what I do. I would roll with him, and I don't know what belt. See, the guy that's asking the question, I don't know anything about the guy that's asking the question. Yeah. You know, for you and me, it's like we, if there's a problem on the mat, we as like, you know, instructors have to regulate that and put a stop to it. If you're, if this person that's asking this is like a blue belt and this guy's getting nuts, I'd probably, be like, I'd say, hey, dude, I don't want to roll with you. You know, you're getting all crazy. So I'm a white belt and I got this guy going crazy. He hurt someone. Bro, if you hurt someone and I'm suspect that you're going to hurt me, it ain't happening. Mm-hmm. It ain't happening. Or I'm going to like tap super early and be like, yeah, dude, I don't need to get my freaking shoulder wrecked by you. Mm-hmm. So, or I might say, hey, like, dude, I saw what you did to Fred. I'm, I don't feel comfortable rolling with you. 
How's that? So I would just, you know, try and build a little bit of relationship with the person so I can communicate them with a way that we can start getting him moving in the right direction. Mm. That's probably what I'd do. Yeah. That's yeah, that's a hard because I get some people have a weird personality in this way, you know? Hundred percent. But then some people at the same time, if in this situation where he's like he had a long break, right? Yep. And he's a blue belt, which is like you kind of have a standard in your head, you yep. know? And and blue belt is a bad time to take a break because you're not that ingrained yet. Exactly. You lose yeah. a lot from yeah. blue belt to a long break. Purple belt to a break, you can do a lot better. Brown belt to a you know, you can take a long break and still be like, yeah, you remember all kinds of stuff. Yep. Yeah. So this guy's in a kind of a pressure sitch. Yeah, and it and the pressure's on himself basically. Yeah. So he goes in and he's like, "Oh my gosh, I don't want to start performing like a white belt now." So he kind of has to overcompensate in a way. So he's going too hard. Getting nuts kinda. with this big pot belly blue belt. Yeah, and yeah. especially if he's cardio tapping, that means he's like he going he's doing That's too much. Point. Yeah, you know? he's getting nuts. That's a hundred percent evidence of getting nuts. It is. <laughs> it, it is. You got to be in if you know jujitsu and you're like, hey. I'm just going to flow roll and I re- like legitimately don't care if I get tapped. I'm just going to flow roll. You can do it if you legitimately don't care. But if you care about getting tapped out or looking bad, you're going to get excited. Yeah. Just And I'm not saying you're going to cardio tap. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you're going to get excited. Yeah, yeah. That's just the nature of it. For you know? sure. So this guy's just overly excited. Potentially. I don't know. He yep. could be a dick. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. I would say try and talk to the dude, build a little relationship, you know, and then that's the thing. Your own ego. Like this guy starts getting nuts at me like, hey, dude, I'm done. I'm tapping. Yeah. Who are you tapping from? Because you seem like you're going crazy. Yeah. And I don't want to get hurt like Fred did with his shoulder. Yeah. So I'm done training with you. Yeah. And then other people be like, oh, you know, what's going on? Be like, hey, man, you hurt one of our teammates yeah. for no reason. And we're, uh, no one here wants to get hurt. This ain't life or death, you know, death match here we got going on. So chill. Yeah. So that's what I would do. There you go. Next question. Next question. Good evening, Jocko. My name is Jacob, and I'm literally an Uncle Jake. My Jack. nephew and I have recently started our children's books, uh, your ch- children's books, and he can relate to the early stages of Mark's journey. Not only reading the book together has been helpful, but I have always tried to set a good example around the house. Good eating, training, working hard, so he can see that Uncle Jake is a real possibility. The problem we have is his dad. He's not on the path. So so far off the path from fatherhood, um, he barely speaks to his son. Isn't interested in eating healthy and fully allows constant video games and TV screens. How do I get somebody like this to understand his actions are being seen by his son? Where do you start when trying to explain how to get on the path and why? I've tried suggesting passively certain content online and podcasts, but none of this is of any interest to him. I fear the seed. I fear the seeds I plant in my nephew will not grow without a good role model. I cannot always be there as much as I would like. <clears throat> yeah, check. So first of all, awesome. Good for you for being an awesome uncle. And that being said, so we're talking about the dad a little bit here. What are we gonna do with the dad? Well, number one, develop a relationship with the dad, right? You gotta develop relationships with people if you wanna be able to influence them in any way. How do we build a relationship? Well, we listen to what they have to say, we put trust in them, we treat them with respect, we allow them to influence us, right? This is this is like uh, Echelon Front 101 relationship building. What is this guy doing? Listen to him, trust, you know, put some trust in him, treat him with respect, allow him to influence you. If he's like, hey, you know, I really, 
you know, this guy likes to sit around on Sundays and watch the football game, or whatever. Be like, cool, hey man, I'd like to watch the football game too. You know, like, mm-hmm. let's see what this, let's see what's going on. You know, build a relationship. So if you give, you will get back as far as the relationship. And then the better relationship you have with the dad, the more you build to influence him. And maybe one day you're like, yeah, you know, hey, after the game, you know, you want to go for a run. You know, you want to go swing by, you know, I'm bring my kettlebell. You got to try these kettlebells, whatever. You know, you try and build. Because look, if you're over there like, uh, you, you're just weak, that guy's not going to want to do anything with you. No. So instead, you try and build a relationship. Now, since the father barely speaks to the son, guess what? You're going to have more influence. And a lot of times people don't want to listen to their dads because they know subconsciously at some point they got to rebel against their dad. They got to leave their father figure so they don't want that. They, they start to do that at a young age. And I got that story. I use this example all the time. But I was watching my son who was like 10 years old. I'm watching him do jujitsu. I see him get an arm lock or trying to get an arm lock. And at this point, you know, in my life, I'd been training jujitsu for like a quarter century. And I look at him, I say, hey, you got to move your hips a little further underneath that elbow. And he looks back at me. He's a 10-year-old and goes, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So it's okay that, you know, there's going to, he's going to maybe reject his dad a little bit, which is actually in this case, probably a good thing. That means you're going to have even more influence. So Keep being positive. Keep setting a good example. It's going to get followed. It's going to get followed, right? In fact, I actually I hate to say it. This is I won't say it's optimum, but this is like not a bad scenario. You got this outside uncle that's coming in. That's kind of badass. That's working out. That's eating right. Obviously, you look healthy. Your your shit squared away. Mm-hmm. He's like looking at you like, dang, this is legit. And he's looking at his dad like, oh, my dad's like watching TV again. Yeah. And so, you know, you got the Warrior Kid books, which are a, a great way. One of the reasons, this is, a, a lot of times people say, man, thank you so much for writing the Warrior Kids books. I try to tell my son that, but the, he doesn't want to listen to me, but he listens to Uncle Jake. Exactly. So you're in, just like in a great situation. Uh, how, you know, do you want to maybe up the amount of time you get? It, can Can he... What can you do with them? You know, can you say, "Hey, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, you know, training jujitsu. I'm gonna take, you know, I'm gonna take little Billy to jujitsu two times a week, if that's okay with you." You know, maybe you take him to wrestling practice. Maybe you take him to basketball, play basketball, whatever. Maybe you say, "Hey, I want Billy to come over on the weekends and you know mow my lawn. I got some yard work from him. Have him come over. Mm-hmm. Just get more time with him. Keep building. So keep building the relationship with the the nephew as well." So you build the relationship with the nephew, you build the relationship with the dad, you keep doing the right thing. Man, this is this is not a panic scenario, right? You, you say you're, you fear the seeds you plant, trust me, the seeds you plant in this kid, this is what, this is like planting a, a, like a plant in the, planting a seed in the most fertile ground, a young kid's head. It's gonna grow. It's gonna grow. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep building relationships, and this is gonna turn out awesome. That's what that's what my thoughts are. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it makes sense. I I feel like the influ his influence is probably gonna be, be a lot more than he even realizes. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't have to be there Absolutely. all the time or whatever. Because yeah. yeah. ki- kids and people, I think just all of us, we we kind of can see what's going on. Even yeah. when we're little kids, we kind of can feel it. Oh, so if it's like, you know how like, so if. 
a dad or anyone is like just playing video games and the result of that is they're not as strong mm-hmm. they're not as healthy they're not as happy or whatever right the dad's kind of doesn't talk to the son apparently right? yeah the son feels that 100%. and he's so a lot of needs we'll say for lack of a better term are not going to be fulfilled there so he's just going to go elsewhere yeah. right so a lot of times kids they just go to i don't know tv society whatever sure. you know but if you got someone there to kind of fulfill those needs even a little bit bro they'll latch onto that so quick when they see good results they're like oh this is what we're doing over here i'm getting kind of nothing you know and that doesn't look that awesome as far as the results and they'll they'll start to pay attention to that um to what this guy's doing and i i think those seeds i I agree with you yeah it's like ripe fertile soil oh yeah it's going in so i think we're gonna be good because you hear about that too you know, like a, um, you know, maybe like a, a kid who grew up with n- not, uh, we'll say, father figure. Yep. Right? This is one of the stories you hear. But he had a football coach yep. or a, or a church leader, yeah, Derek or, Van Orden, who was just on the podcast. Yeah, remember his dad wasn't around. Yeah, he had that uncle. Yeah, exactly. Uncle's right. Like, yeah, well, he's like latched onto it. You know, and some, but and what I'm saying is too, sometimes it's not even an uncle who's yeah, yeah. there a lot. It's like it's just the PE coach right. sometimes. Oh, bro. I mean, I have a lot of people read the Warrior Kid books or, you know, read Discipline Equals Freedom. They're like, oh, yeah, I, I didn't have a dad, but I, I looked at you like, oh, okay, this 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 going to help me out. Yeah, exactly. Right, so, man. yeah, you don't even need to be there. Yeah. In fact, in the Warrior Kid books, in the end, well, like in the end of the first book, he's like, you know, Uncle Jake is leaving. They're going, what am I going to do? You don't need me. You know what to do. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, oh, okay, cool. So it's all in there. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, man. Appreciate you uh, looking out for your nephew. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Be consistent. That's a yep. big thing. Be consistent. Next question, Jocko. I know before you spoke about your next surgery and the importance of staying active throughout the aftermath of it. I'm 29 years old and work as a plumber. I recently had cervical disc replacement right after achieving my blue belch. After several months off, I've gone back to jujitsu, but it hasn't been the same. Before surgery, I've enjo- I enjoyed going to every wrestling class I could. If I was caught in a, a bad choke, guillotine, or crank, I would take the opportunity to try to work through it and improve my defense and escapes. Now in those instances, I'm quick to tap early and my game is more passive, less wrestling. My question is, was there anything about your game that changed significantly after your neck surgery? How do I adapt to this injury without having to turn... The volume all the way down. I still lift and I've done boxing for five plus years, but as you know, nothing compares to the jiu-jitsu. So yeah, so I did have uh, surgery on my neck. I got something called a foramenotomy. They go in, they hack away some bones so that the nerves have a little bit more room to breathe because I was losing some, I I lost a, a feeling in my right arm for a little while and strength there. So I got this neck surgery. So what, what changed for me? I do, when once I got that surgery and I came back, I definitely rolled where I protected my neck and in the aftermath of that surgery. And I remember, so what would you say? You know when you're in half guard and you can kind of get under someone? Mm-hmm. That used to be a big part of my game and I stopped doing it. Mm. I, I stopped doing it for a while. And and by a while, I mean like over a year. You know, over a year, I was very, I wouldn't dig my head in, I wouldn't lead with my head, I was just, I protected my neck. Mm-hmm. And then over time, it it started to open back up. And I, so I think a lot of it was mental. Mm-hmm. Like mentally, I was like, hey, I don't, I don't wanna mess with this thing. I'm, not, I'm sure what's a lot, a lot what going on with you as well. And 
from what I understand, those uh, cervical disc replacements where they replace the disc, from what I understand, those are awesome and strong. And I mean, check with your doctor, obviously. I'm not a doctor. Let me give that. What is that? What's that word? Disclaimer. Yeah, let me give that. I'm not a doctor. But for me, I think a lot of it was mental. Yeah. I wanted to protect my neck. I didn't want to get it get it tweaked, and so I didn't expose my neck as much. Over time, though, you know, of course, you're going to get it caught, and then it was okay, and then like I did again, and mm-hmm. so over time, I, I and I I would say I'm pretty kind of normal now. I'm kind of like back to the way I used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting thing is, guess what? You should do anyway when you roll. Protect your neck. Yeah. You should always be protecting your neck. So. That's what I did. I, 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 my neck, I don't even think about it anymore when I roll. Um, yeah, I don't think about it anymore when I roll. You should, other than you protect your neck, and I don't want to get my neck grabbed by another person and have them guillotine me or choke me or whatever. So I think over time, it'll get, you'll, you'll overcome the apprehension that you have right now. Now look, keep exercising your neck, right? Do neck exercises so that your neck becomes strong mm-hmm. and flexible and keep it mobile. Those are good things to do. And if you do that, I believe over time and check with your doctor, but that metal cervical disc replacement that you got, if you got a fusion, it's different. Mm-hmm. If they fused your C6 and your C7 where now they don't move anymore, now they're more susceptible to breaking down because there's less mobility in them. And you gotta be more careful. But like I knew a guy that got a neck fusion after buds and did like a 30 year career. Mm. And like no factor. Mm. So, you know, again, check with your doctor, make sure that that cervical disc replacement, ask him what the capabilities are, but then start training and, you know, do some exposure therapy with your neck. Yeah. And over time, you're probably going to forget that that thing is even in there. That's my guess. That's my hope. And if it does bother you, then you might have to adjust your game. And you might have to say, hey, man, you know, you can't, don't attack my neck. Yeah. And then you can't be a jerk and like expose your neck and use that to your advantage. And if you get caught, freaking tap. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. You say, you say you're quick to tap. Good. Freaking tap. Yeah. Whatever. You know, freaking tap out. That's what, that's what jujitsu is for get caught in a guillotine, you wanna get your neck cranked, then tap. You should tap. Who knows, maybe me not tapping for many years led to me needing neck surgery. Let's take care of your neck. I should have probably started that. You're quick to tap, good, cool, tap. Get caught in a freaking neck crank, tap. So there you go. Yeah, a lot of times injuries, I know it was in my case, they do serve like a good purpose in this way, but many ways for sure. And I'm not at the same time, I'm not saying being injured is good. I'm not saying that, but there is some good that can come from it. And this is one of the major ones with jujitsu is it will make you pump the brakes on getting nuts in jujitsu, which usually kind of how you mentioned usually is one of the main factor, if not the factor of causing your injury. In my case, it was where I was going too hard, flex too hard and tore my bicep, both of them, Mm. by the way. (laughs) On different occasions, yes. Um, So it made me be a little bit gun-shy, but what that did is it forces the result of... Be more relaxed. Yeah, be more relaxed, pump the brakes on getting nuts. Where, yeah, and this guy's already tapping early, good. 
That's part of the pump in the brakes process yeah, where it's yeah. like, yeah, pump the brakes or whatever. Slow down your game. Get better at jujitsu so you're not going crazy. I, I get it, man. Wrestling is good fun, mm. especially when you're doing those takedowns. And But you got to pump the brakes on that kind of stuff too. Yeah. And then your jujitsu will develop in a more – it'll develop more – in technical. a more ro- technical yep. and robust way, in my opinion, because a lot of times, you know, like, especially, hey, it's fun. I know 29 years old, still young, mm. where, yeah, you kind of want to kind of want to get after. Otherwise, you don't feel as fulfilled sometimes, you know, mm. where it's like, oh, I did like a technical session today. I was, I was in there for 45 minutes. Why am I not like kind of exhausted kind of a thing? Right. That's like a, a real thing. But if you can develop the technical part of your game, pump the brakes on getting nuts. It will help your overall jujitsu. Make it f- more fun too. Yep. By the way, yep. So yeah, yep. use it as an opportunity it. to slow it down and, and learn some stuff. You that's know? A, that's a great uh, approach. Chill out a little bit, man. Yep. Don't let your ego train jujitsu. You should train it. <laughs> right on uh that's it for today thanks for joining us everybody speaking of jujitsu check out originusa.com get yourself american-made goods support america support jocko fuel echelonfront.com jockostore.com we appreciate all the all your support that you're giving us and we appreciate you most of all for supporting the underground we don't know when we're getting uh banned I don't know. Yeah. Maybe if some like karate people take over the world, they'll ban us because yeah. we talk about the jujitsu too yeah. much. <laughs> My Twitter account got hijacked and deleted, dude. Straight up deleted. What a bastard. That's that weird, huh? I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying it's uh, it's 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 the uh, it's crazy out here yeah, on these know, streets. People don't. You know, some there's been some negative reviews on you over the years. Maybe they finally like <laughs> hacked into you. They almost want to delete you. Caught up with me. Echo Charles got canceled. Straight up deleted. Canceled. Deleted. So yeah, if you don't follow Echo Charles on Twitter, he's only got one follower right now, me, because we <laughs> fixed it right before. So I'm Echo's only follower at this time. Echo Charles, he's at Echo Charles. We're on the interwebs. I'm at Jocko Willink. Thanks for supporting us, everybody. We will keep getting after it, and we'll be here on the underground. And until next time, this is Echo and Jocko. <laughs>